morning, MCA. Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. This is the word of the Lord for us. Well, good morning, MCA. What a treat to be together this morning and to get into the word of God. So we are starting a brand new sermon series this morning. You just saw that uh, little promo video, getting into the life of John the Baptist. He is one of the most important characters in the Bible. And so we're excited because we're going to do a deep dive into his life and the lessons we can learn from him. He's, He's a guy who played a really key role in God's plan of salvation. So... Uh, you probably know something of this character from the scriptures. This is John, and again, we, w- we will learn lots and lots about him, but just by way of introduction, this is the John who was a cousin to Jesus. He was the one who lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and wild honey. He, he was kind of a unique uh, individual, maybe a little strange, maybe didn't, maybe didn't follow society's norms, chose to wear clothing that was a little bit different and odd. He wore clothing that was made of camel hair. Anybody have camel hair on this morning? Just checking. I don't know. I'm not sure how comfortable that is. Um, but he, he did a lot of baptizing. That was part of his public ministry, which is why we call him John the Baptist. He, he wasn't part of the Baptist church. It's not John the Methodist, John the Baptist, John the Mennonite. This was just part of his ministry was doing a lot of baptizing. In, in fact, in a lot of traditions or some traditions, they will call him John the Baptizer. Anyway, so this is the guy uh, that had a really powerful ministry doing baptisms. He's the one who baptized our Lord Jesus Christ. And and Jesus had lots to say about his cousin, John. In fact, Jesus said that among those born of women, in other words, humanity, there is none greater than John. Like this is the, this is the greatest, this guy. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us that he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, we did a study, a character study in, on Elijah and his apprentice, Elisha. So we know something about his ministry that was very bold and courageous. And so this is John who comes after him. Elijah was an Old Testament character. John is a New Testament character. But John has a lot of those same characteristics. John is bold and courageous. He's a passionate and zealous guy and, and unconventional. And what happened during John's public ministry then is that he amassed lots of followers. He had disciples who were following him. But he was always quick to point others to Jesus. 
He, he had lots of people who followed him, who listened to him, who appreciated him. And yet he was always quick to say, I don't want the limelight on me. Look at Jesus. So he's the one that said, when he, when he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said, after me comes one whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He said, he must increase. I must decrease. And so we've got a lot that we can learn from John the Baptist. He, as we look at kind of the arc or the trajectory of his life, he had a, a long time where he lived in the wilderness. He was kind of a wild man, secluded. And then he came into a public ministry where, where he preached and he baptized. Then he goes to prison and eventually he was beheaded. He lost his life. And so we're going to use the next five weeks to study John the Baptist from his birth, which we'll start in today, all the way to his death. And along the way, we're going to hear a voice calling in the wilderness for us to live for Christ. So let me introduce myself. My name is John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled to have you with us today. Uh, we do have a number of guests that are with us. Welcome, a special welcome. Glad to have you with us. Honored to have you with us. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So it's pretty clear that God had a specific purpose for John the Baptist. In fact, the title of this morning's sermon is A Life of Purpose. God had a very specific purpose for John the Baptist. In fact, he was prophesied about long before his birth. He was prophesied about. There's a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40 that speaks of a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. His, his purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. That was his purpose. He went before Jesus, preparing the way. And I would like to suggest to each and every one of us this morning that just as God had a very clear and direct purpose for John the Baptist, that he has a very clear and direct purpose for you. That God has a purpose for your life. That, that each and every life, each and every person has a calling and a mission. In fact, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I don't know if I was preaching or we had some guest speakers recently. If it was just me up here uh, spouting off, I don't really recall. But I remember saying something to the effect of, like, if you don't know why God made you, boy, you better start asking him. And you guys are like, I don't remember you saying that. You say a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I'll say it again. Like, like, if you don't know why God made you, boy, you better ask him. You, you, you better get on your knees and say, God, why did you make me? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And so really, that's kind of where I want to go this morning as we look. We'll, we'll talk through the story here of, of his birth, the beginning of John the Baptist. But, but that's what the Lord has put on my heart, is this idea of purpose. And why has God created you? So let's begin. It, it, his story begins in Luke chapter 1. Again, we, ha we do have some prophecies about him, Isaiah chapter 40. But in Luke chapter 1, so you're welcome to turn there uh, with me in your Bibles. But we've got the story of his parents. So his parents are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And here's their story. They were really old, but had no children. So you can imagine husband and wife and oh, they had longed for a child, but they were unable to have children. And so they're very old. They have no children. Zechariah is a priest. He serves the Lord and, and he gets chosen to go into the temple to burn incense. It was a really special 
privilege and opportunity that he had. And it was while he was in there, a place in the temple known as the Holy of Holies, like just on the other side of the, the veil, the curtain is the Ark of the Covenant, is the mercy seat. And it's in that place that the angel Gabriel comes to him. And so uh, turn with me, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a ready to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is the word spoken to Zechariah about John. Right? I mean, this is, this is an amazing prophecy. We don't have time to walk through that piece by piece, but you just see how all of those things were true. Jesus said he's the greatest man that ever lived. The angel prophesied he would be great. He, he had the Nazarite vow, which means he, he, didn't, uh, he, he chose to live a life of purity, even in the substances that he, that he used. That he was indeed used powerfully in ministry, and he did go before the Lord Jesus Christ and prepare the way for him. But uh, if we think about it from Zechariah's perspective then, Old guy, never had children. I mean, maybe he's tuning into all of this, but he's going, my wife is going to have a baby? <laughs> what? And so Zechariah doesn't believe that this is going to happen. He doubts what God is telling him that his wife is going to be pregnant because we know something about biology, and we know something about once you reach a certain age. And we know something about, well, decade after decade after decade, we didn't have a baby. And now we're really old. So the chances of us having a baby. And so Zechariah does not believe the Lord. And what happens is the angel says, well, okay, you're going to be silent, mute, unable to speak until the time that this baby, who is indeed coming, whether you doubt it, believe it or otherwise, until that baby is born, you will be mute and unable to speak. God struck Zechariah with silence. I think there's a whole sermon there too, but sometimes it's, it's in silence that we hear God speak the loudest. Sometimes we need those moments where we quiet ourselves and listen. In fact, it was just this week on Tuesday evening when I gathered with our elders and we spent a few moments together as we always do in prayer and scripture and devotions and we just had a time of silent prayer. Like, let's just quiet ourselves before the Lord and listen. And so, so Zechariah, whether he wanted it or not, that's what he got. He had no other option but to listen to the Lord. Okay, so if we fast forward nine months, the baby's born. So Elizabeth gives birth to John. And this is the scripture that Alicia read for us just a few moments ago from we're in Luke chapter 1, 57 through 66, and the people are like, well, we, you know, our tradition and convention is we name him after his father, so his name is Zechariah. But Elizabeth's like, no, his name's John. And they're like, John, there's no one even in your family that's named John. So then they go to Zechariah. He asks for the writing tablet and writes, his name is John. And the moment that he wrote that, he was able to speak. 
Like, the angel had told him, again, all of what was in that prophecy and foretelling from the angel included the name of the child, which is John. It was when he declared that what God said is true, his name is John, the Lord loosed his tongue, and he was able to speak again. And immediately he praises God. He had just been listening to the Lord for nine months without being able to speak, learning from God. And the first thing he does is praise him. And, and then, and then I, uh, Zechariah goes on then to, to issue a prophecy regarding his son, John. And so if we jump down to verse 76, he says this, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. John, he, he's carrying out his purpose. And he's just this little itty-bitty baby. His, his parents now know through God's foretelling through the angel, this is why this person has been created. This is his purpose. This is his calling. And isn't that a powerful thought that his, his purpose began even before he took his first breath? That God knew his purpose. And in fact, in this same chapter of Luke chapter 1, we have this story, and you're familiar with it. We often talk about it during the Christmas season, where Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. So they were relatives or cousins. Both women were pregnant, Mary with Jesus, Elizabeth with John. Uh, in fact, let's look there at verse 41. We're in Luke chapter 1. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. That's John doing somersaults. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. John's purpose was then and there. His impact began before anyone even laid eyes on him. Isn't it interesting and even mind-boggling that in our culture, people don't want to admit that babies in the womb are babies. And so an unwanted pregnancy can be terminated. So these are lives that are made in the image of God. These are special and unique people created with a purpose. But they end before they even get a chance. They end before they even have a voice. And so I think the Lord calls us to be a voice for them. What a story here. Our, our Lord is a baby in Mary's womb. <laughs> And John is a baby in Elizabeth's womb, and he leaps for joy because he senses the nearness of Christ. Because babies in the womb are babies. And I, listen, I, I understand. I get it. I, I mean, I have heard that sometimes... Carrying out a pregnancy is just going to be embarrassing. It's going to be filled with shame and guilt and, and stares and accusations and, and whispers. I get it. I get it that sometimes when people are expecting a, a baby, it's like, oh, these circumstances just don't seem right. They don't seem optimal. They don't seem good. 
But doesn't our God take situations that are broken and turn them into things that are beautiful? And so, so would you believe and would you trust that God can do that? Would you choose to value life and to protect life and to speak up on behalf of those who don't yet have a voice? And to recognize and proclaim that God is the author of life. And so then those stories maybe become someone finds strength to be a parent. Or those stories become you, you connect with a godly couple who has hearts and homes ready to adopt. Why? Because each life has purpose. Because each life has value and significance. That includes yours, by the way. That that you are uniquely created for a purpose. That God has a plan for your life. That even when you were in your mother's womb, he saw you. He knit you together and had a plan for you. So that classic question of, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? It's a great question to ask. And then you begin living life with a purpose. No, I said purpose. Not purpose. <laughs> so God, God chose John before he was even born. See, he, he didn't receive his calling after he had done some amazing things. See, this is, this is the way my brain works. So just, just a, a little, uh, little insight into the way I think, I guess. I go, well, isn't it after he had like, done amazing things for God? Isn't it after he had proved himself really competent? He had preached a great sermon. He had baptized a thousand people. It's like, no. He, he didn't prove himself worthy. And then God said, okay, I can use you. I've got a purpose for your life. I think too often... We put the emphasis on our performance when it should be on God's purpose. And then if you notice at the end of verse 66, John is a newborn here. He's a newborn. He's dependent on people for everything in his life. He's eight days old. And the people are wondering, what's this child going to be? And it says, the Lord's hand was with him. God uses the unqualified, the strange The seemingly insignificant to do his work. Why? The scriptures tell us so that no one can boast about their achievements. So so that all glory goes to God. And as we talk about purpose and calling, I do want to give a warning to each and every one of us today. And that warning is about contentment. We've got a problem. We've got a lot of problems. But one (laughs) one of the problems that we have is chronic discontent. And the reason I know that is because we grumble and we complain. We, we, we want something out. The, the old adage of the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And, and think about it. That, that If John the Baptist had been in that place, his ministry wouldn't have been what it was. Like it never would have worked if he had simply stood in the shadow of Jesus grumbling about his dream to be the Messiah. And so I think it can be tempting for us to look at someone's, someone else's purpose, someone else's calling, someone else's life. That looks more glamorous. That looks more fun. That looks easier. 
Sometimes we become jealous of someone else's spiritual gift, someone else's position even within the body of Christ. But I think the question is, how can you be faithful with what God has called you to do? That's your purpose. I ran across this article recently that um, highlights that many states are starting to use what, what are known as courtroom dogs. This is not a joke, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes I start, I, I start in with a joke, and everyone's like, is this for real? Is this not? <laughs> but yeah, this, this uh, article I read talked about these courtroom dogs. They're trained for a very specific purpose. Their job is to comfort children who testify in a court of law. So the dogs help the children cope with the trauma when they've got to face an accuser or an abuser or when they have to give testimony uh, in court. So what they do is they join the child on the stand, but they stay out of sight. So the jury cannot see the dog. The, the jurors will not focus on the dog. They'll focus on the testimony they're hearing. But sometimes there are cases where a child is too traumatized to even speak. They go silent. They, you know, they've been hurt or they've, they've witnessed a really horrible crime. And with the presence of this very specially trained dog, they get the courage to share their story and they speak. And so this just really struck me that these dogs have a really specific and clear purpose. And they can't deviate from that. They've got to do exactly what they're trained to do. You know, it's like, oh, Fido, can you catch a frisbee? No, 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 that's not what this dog is supposed to do. And I think it's the same way in our lives. That God has a, a specific purpose for each and every one of us. We've got to figure out what that is and then pursue that. So like in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the beauty of the church being the body of Christ and how it's got many parts, but you know, we can't all be the eyes. <laughs> the body needs lungs in order to breathe. The, the body needs hands in order to function. And so we all have our role. We all have our part. We all have our purpose. And it's when we recognize, embrace that, and then utilize that that we're effective, that, that we're serving in the capacity for which God has created us. And it's a beautiful thing. And each part is needed, by the way. You are essential to the church. You are an essential part of God's plan, his mission to redeem all of creation through Jesus Christ. So each of us has a role in the kingdom. You have been designed by God to be used for his glory. In fact, in a, in a poetic way, David writes about this in Psalm 139. I want to read that for us. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God has a plan and a purpose. He has created you unique and special. And here's another great biblical truth. Nothing can stand in the way of God's purposes. Can I get an amen? Nothing can stand in the way. When God has purposed it, it will come to be. Let's think about Elizabeth. She's old. She's barren. God says she's going to have a baby. So what happens? She has a baby. 
Zechariah, he doubts God. So the Lord says, well, I think I'll just silence you. I, I think we'll just put you in an adult timeout. I'm going to carry on the plan without you. John, this strange guy, this, this unique individual, but he has a powerful ministry because he's got the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God does the impossible. He's going to carry out his purpose and his plan. In fact, while we're talking about the impossible, every single one of us, you and I included, are in an impossible situation. That is to say, we've done wrong, we've sinned, and we are bound for an eternity separated from God in hell. And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We are in an impossible situation. We have fallen short of the glory of God, as the scriptures say in Romans 3.23. We've rebelled against God. And so if we look at Romans 6 and verse 23, it says, The wages of sin is death. What you deserve, what I deserve, what we all deserve is death, eternal separation from God. But nothing can stand in the way of God's purposes. And God desires that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. And so that's why he has made a way for us. Not that all of humanity will be saved. We know that's not true. But those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made a way. He offers a free gift through Christ. The one who went to the cross. Who took our punishment. Who shed his innocent blood. That we who believe might have eternal life. Our impossible situation. Bound for death. Separated from God. Has been reversed. So the next part there of Romans 6.23. We see the word but. Wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been rescued from sin and death. And you know, for many of us here today, we're followers of Jesus. We made that choice. We've been baptized. We've been in the scriptures. We've been discipled. And so I pray today is a day to be encouraged and to thank the Lord for his salvation to again be reminded of what God has done for you, a sinner. He has rescued you. You were brought into the household of faith. God takes great delight in you. And for those who have never turned to the Lord Jesus in faith, I pray today would be the day. I pray today would be the day that you recognize that you've done wrong, that you've sinned, that you're bound for an eternity apart from God. But that calling out to his name, calling out on the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in him means eternal life. It means forgiveness of sins. I do want to say that following our service, our prayer team is going to be right up here in the front and available. We would invite you to come. Come and share your burdens. Come, come and give your life to Christ. We would be honored to pray with you, to bless you, to serve you in that way. It would be our honor to pray with you. I'm praying for, for those of you who there's an obstacle, there's a hurdle, there's something that has kept you from Christ, that he would strengthen you today to take that step, to say yes to Jesus. You know, how often are we guilty of deciding what can and cannot happen as we talk about God being the God of the impossible? <laughs> we so often see life through, through our own human eyes and we go, well, that can't happen. Well, this couldn't happen. Well, that guy will never get saved. Well, I could never serve the Lord in that way. 
well, we're never going to have a baby. If it's God's will, it is going to happen. Nothing stands in the way of God's plan and God's purposes. And he might just silence you if you doubt it. He might just give you a nine-month timeout. Say, just, you're on the sidelines. Watch and see. But I'm going to carry out this plan with or without you. The Lord's hand was with John. We saw that at the end of verse 66. Do you ever wonder sometimes why things aren't working out? I know I've been in that place like, man, I had plans. I had an agenda. I had goals. I had ambitions. I had it all laid out. I had it all figured out. But it's not panning out, and it's not working out, and it's not playing out. The Lord wasn't in it. Proverbs 19.21 tells us, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so we seek His purpose above all else. And listen, when God calls you to something, when he reveals that purpose, he's going to see it through. So don't be scared. When the Lord says, this is what's going to happen, trust him. If he's called you to do it, if he says it's going to happen, he's going to carry it out. He's going to see it through. He will give you strength to carry it on. He can do the impossible. The question is, do you trust him? And are you living a life of purpose? Are you living the life of, of purpose that God has given you? Are you living for the Lord? Are you still wallowing around trying to find hope in all the wrong places? It's only in Christ that there's meaning, my friend. It's only in Christ there is hope. It's only in Christ that we know that one day we will spend eternity with our Creator. And He has a good plan for your life. So seek him and trust him and praise him that he works all things together according to his will and his purpose. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you for the testimony and the stories in the scriptures. We specifically thank you for the life of John the Baptist. This amazing man who his ministry started before he even took his first breath. So we thank you, Lord, for the great truths that you've taught us in this place. That you've got a purpose. That nothing will stop it. That each and every life has a value, even the unborn. That those babies in the womb are indeed babies. And so God, would you give us courage to be a voice for those who have no voice? Would you give us courage to stand in a culture that doesn't recognize you or serve you to declare you as master and we your humble servants? That you, the God of the universe, might use us for your purpose to bring about redemption. And so, Lord, thank you for who you are. I pray for those who need to turn to you in faith that Holy Spirit, you would draw close to them and convict them and that you would call them to yourself. 
to your loving embrace. For God, you are compassionate, full of grace, abounding in love, slow to anger. So Lord, we thank you and we bless you for all that you do. That you would carry on your work. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.